Hello, may I welcome you to episode 67 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover how my guest began within the industry, firstly within record storage in 2001. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years, and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end moving matters with a funny moving story regarding a defibrillator. My guest this episode is Martin Budd, sales director and brand ambassador of Pickford's. Enjoy. Good morning, Martin. Welcome to Moving Matters. How are you this morning? Yes, very well, thank you. Very well. Can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Well, my name is Martin Budd. I'm the sales director and brand ambassador for Pickford's. I've actually been in the record storage business. That's when I started in the industry back in 2001. I actually started work with Pickford's in 2003 in the summer. And at that time, I then led the business services division for server, which incorporated Pickford's in the UK, and it incorporated a number of other brands across Europe as part of the server group. And at that time, there was the records management business, there was the crate hire business, GB Nationwide Crate Hire, and I also looked after the business moving division for Pickford's. And it stayed that way through till about 2006. I then took a little bit of uh, uh, time away. We went uh, Cupid across to Crown. We sold the business services division to Crown, and I was part of the sale team, and I Cupid across to Crown, became their director of European business development. But that was just focusing on records management. So I stepped away from the traditional moving business for a number of years and stayed in that role, really evolved quite a bit until 2013. And then I went through to PHS Data Solutions uh, and looked after their, their business division, which incorporated the confidential waste shredding, the IT, the records management. But I was luckily enough invited an opportunity to join Pickford's again in 2016. And I've been there ever since and uh, absolutely love the role that I have. So what is a brand ambassador? Oh, I knew you were going to pick up on that. <laughs> in all fairness, it's, brand is, is it's an interesting term because it is one that's used quite a bit. A lot of people think brand is, is the logo. Sometimes it's the, the illustration that you have on your coffee cup that you were just drinking and thinking, well, if we stick that everywhere, that's brand. But brand is a lot more than that. Brand is really about, you know, what we do and the way we do things around here. So that our behaviours and values are very much part of that brand culture. So being a brand ambassador for Pickfords, it's, yeah, it's being a role model, it's doing things the way they need to be done and the way they should be done, helping coach the teams on what brand is and what we stand for picking up on people's behaviours. We have a great set of values at Pickford's and I try and pick up on those all the time, recognising people for their great behaviours because I think it's really important to try and catch people doing things right just as yeah. much as it is perhaps catching them when they're perhaps not doing it so well. Absolutely. So how did you get started in the industry? 
in my early sales career, I mean, I hasten to add, I, I sold double glazing for a Ooh. few. Well, at least you weren't a car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a I was a double glazing salesman for a few years, which got me into my sales career. And then I was at Yellow Pages for a, a nearly like eleven years, which was a great learning curve. And then from then I went into the record storage business with Hayes. I wanted to get into a more corporate environment. And then when the opportunity came up to join Server in two thousand and three, it was just too good an opportunity to miss. It was a fantastic role opportunity looking after the commercial moving business for Pickfords, as well as the crate hire, as well as the records management business. So it was a great opportunity for me. So can you tell everybody about Pickfords and the services they offer? Although I'm sure everybody that's in the removal industry is fully aware of Pickfords and what they offer. Yeah, I think, I mean, Pickfords is the de facto brand recognition of the industry. If you talk to anybody probably over the age of 35 and say, could you name a moving company? Pretty much most of those people aged 35, 40 and above would say Pickford's as, as the Absolutely. number one brand recognition. I think with the younger generation, that's changed. I do think that perhaps they don't see that brand profile as much as the older generation. But in the sense of what we do, we literally move anything, anywhere, anytime. And that goes from domestic consumer business to international business to corporate relocation business to commercial moving business. We do disconnections, reconnections of IT. We have a big environmental part of our business where we help people who have surplus office furniture and waste that they want to dispose of. So we do a lot of those sorts of things. And I think one of the biggest things that we do, we have a a great relationship with the Salvation Army. Okay. And um, we do what's called boxes of hope. So when people are moving, and this is something that I feel very passionate about because we do it on the commercial business as well, but with the Salvation Army on the consumer business, we would say to people, for example, that we know you're moving, great to move with you and, and help you in the journey. But you know, when you're packing up, there's going to be a number of items probably you think you don't want to take with you, but they've still got some life left in them. So we would say to people that, you know, we'll give you some cartons. You fill those with those bits and pieces. We will pick them up. We will take them to the Salvation Army. They will filter through that. They will make donations in some situations or certain cases. Or alternatively, they then put them into their shops and resell them and take revenue from that, which they then can give through their charitable donations. We do it with larger pieces of furniture as well for the Salvation Army. And then on the commercial business our primary focus is yes you know try and reuse any items before you have to go through a disposal process try and donate try and resale if we can't do those three things we would then perhaps look to remodel the furniture if we couldn't remodel it we can't resell it we can't donate it we then would simply say well look let's break it down to its component parts into metal and wood and and so on so that can all get reused So we do all of those things as well as traditional moving people from A to B. So we literally cover anything within the move industry, project management as well. What's your biggest revenue earner? Is it domestic moving or is it commercial? To be fair, I would say within our commercial and corporate business, that represents probably 50% of Pickford's turnover. Right. And the consumer domestic business represents the other 50%. So we're 50-50. It's a good split, good balance. 
It is. And, you know, Pickford's, we've been successful in the last two or three years. We've retained one of our largest contracts, which is fabulous. And we've, we've secured our largest commercial contract, probably the largest commercial contract that Pickford's has secured in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Fabulous contract. So. So how many branches have you got these days? It's a moving bed because we're opening more branches all the time. We took on 15 additional warehouse units branches last year with the, the contract that we secured. So we have about 50 centres where we operate from. If you were to say warehouses, I would say it's about 46. So with these new warehouses or premises that you've got, are you moving back to localised or regional areas? It is something that we want to do, yes. Right. So we are looking to, to put more dots on the map. I mean, Pickford's covers every single postcode within the UK, Yeah. but is it a bit of a stretch from some of our branches? In Scotland, yeah, it is. In the southwest, it is. But probably in that central area of the UK, we're pretty well covered. But it's a case of I think we do need to have, and an RMD is of a view that he wants to expand and put some more locations back into the UK. And put Pickford's back into the local market. Yeah, exactly that, yeah. Because you've come out of so many towns and you're now in these yeah. centres and that. I remember in my school days when I lived in Shrewsbury, you have to get on the bus and go to school and we would always pass the Pickford's Depot. And when it went one time, I'm like, it's gone. Where yeah, gone? and you're so right. And a lot of people have those same memories. I think in its heyday, Pickford's had something in the region of about 175 locations wow. across the UK. Wow, wow, wow. We had a fleet of six, 700 vehicles. It was an incredible widespread footprint. Yeah. You then add into that the, the travel business. It really was a rocking business in the sense of locations and people. Then you have like go through parts of the history. You got the NFC as part of it as well. But now we're under private ownership and, you know, the, the current owner and the, the MD, you know, we definitely have it as part of our growth strategy to put more locations into the local market, you know, with more teams. And we're taking on guys all the time. Superb. Great news. It is good news, actually, to be fair, because I think historically the journey for Pickfords has been a, a tough one. I do admit to the fact that there has been some tough tough parts within the journey, but it's in a good place. It's been in a good place for the last two or three years. Going through COVID was difficult. I think it was challenging for everybody in the market. But coming out of COVID, there was a, a bumper year. Oh, wasn't there just? So I think a lot of people benefited from that. And, you know, we see that there's some opportunities to grow from. So that's, that's what we're planning to do. We will open probably one or two more locations today, brand new locations, but we'll add a lot more to our service profile this year. Excellent. Excellent. So you're part of the CMG yourself? Yes. What is your role in the CMG? I'm the current chairman for the Commercial Movement Group, and my, my tenure as chairman finishes in May. They have a, a great conference each year. This year it's in Brighton, so probably everybody and anybody in the moving industry who's a bar member knows about it and, and tries to attend. Last year it was in Jersey, which was a super, super venue. But this year it's in Brighton. So, But yeah, as the chairman of the Commercial Moving Group, we've got 50 members who are like sub-members of the main VAR 
membership, but that focus is predominantly on commercial moving, where it is in the in the industry, and the kind of supports that we should be providing to its members. And this is a bit of a journey that we're on at the moment because. I think the commercial moving group and I think Bar have lost their way a little bit, if I'm being brutally honest, in the sense of adding value back to its members, tangible value. So I think that's where the commercial moving group is at at the moment. We need to be adding value and we're not. So how do we go about doing that? Or rather, how do you guys go about doing that on your committee? Well, there's a number of things. What we did a little while ago, we did a little bit of a survey to... Uh, reach out to the members and we gained some feedback from them as regards what they thought of the CMG, what they thought support and bits and pieces they needed. We then switched it on its head because I think that's, you know, it's all great being inwardly focused, but I'm very much an outwardly focused person. Look at the market, look at where the opportunities are. So we've actually taken on uh, a specialist to research the market and when I say the market, the facilities management market is probably, you know, one of the biggest sectors that commercial moving companies work within. So we've gone out to the market to try and say, well, look, you know, what is it you're looking for from a commercial mover? What is it you're looking from a commercial moving group enterprise that actually not so polices, but actually supports the industry? So we're going to try and collate the feedback that we get from the market and put that in conjunction with the feedback that we have from the current members. And then with that information, we will then redefine what the purpose of the commercial moving group is, what the messaging of the commercial moving group is. And then we can take that to the market because if you're not sure about what your messaging is, you're not sure what your position is, it's very difficult to actually come up with a a definitive marketing strategy or a business strategy to say, well, this is how you go forward with the group. So we're very much in an exploratory phase at the right. moment. And part of that will be discussed at the conference in, in May. So we're looking for people who are commercial movers to come along and give us their two penneth. Because, you know, the commercial moving group is made up of 50 members. And I think it's a great, great entity. Do I think that we perhaps should and could do more? I do. But actually, do I know what that should look like? I need a little bit of help with that. And that's what I look to try and find out by doing this work. So what sort of removal companies would join the CMG? I'm taking it it's not those that are just going to move your local solicitors or your local accountants or anything like that, or even my company, for example. It's not somebody that would do that. It's more you're moving much bigger corporate offices. Uh, No, not necessarily, because the commercial moving group is made up of 50 members. Yes, you've got your, you know, your large entities there pickford's is, is fortunate to be one of those but then you have a lot of the sort of smaller more regionalized commercial movers that are members of the commercial moving group and part of that the reasoning part of that is a they have an ability to tender for government or public sector business because yeah. generally when those tenders come out they normally stipulate that they want somebody that's got 8522 yeah. as a standard which is the commercial moving standard so generally people you know look to hook up to that they then like people to be members of the BAR so again that ticks that other box so even if you're moving a small solicitors whether you're moving a a local estate agent or whether you're moving a a factory people still look for an accredited approved CMG member 
And it gives a great deal of confidence to the customer. And that customer is not a company, it's a person. Yeah. So, you know, it's still the individual that makes the buying decision and they're looking for comfort. So what challenges have you had to overcome in the industry then, Martin? Um, Me personally, and I I think that, you know, people who know me, I'm not a, yes, can I go out and estimate a move? Can I calculate how many guys and how many vans and bits and pieces we're going to need? Yeah, of course I can do that. Am I best suited at that? I would say not. And I think one of my challenges has been is because I can perhaps, I try to see things from a different perspective. I try to look at it from a a customer's viewpoint, how they want to buy the service, what kind of service they want to be buying, what that proposition needs to look like, what the buying journey needs to look like. So I think I try to add value in that way to to do that. And, And the challenges I've had probably is working within an industry which is very, very, very tire kicking focused. (laughs) and you know that's what we're you know i'm very lucky at pickford's to have worked with some of the most prominent commercial moving individuals there are clive johnson would be one of those people that is iconic within the industry great fonts of knowledge great expertise great person to give confidence on a technical challenge and i've luckily enough worked with clive on a number of projects same with pat hughes 40 odd years in the industry he retired last year but he still comes back and still does work with pickers today as does clive yeah i very much take great comfort from those guys in the sense of they look after the technical part i look after the sales relationship part and probably managing the relationship between those two has been part of the challenge because you know they always want to do it the way in which they've always done it but I think it's good to have somebody in the company that looks at it from a customer's perspective. And I don't think enough companies have that. Yeah. They're not fortunate as well to be in that position, to have somebody to look at it from that side. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, when you're doing a commercial move, yes, you want somebody that's going to turn up who's, you know, looks the part, sounds the part, is going to give confidence, give knowledge, and calculate exactly what number of guys and exactly what type of vehicles you need and exactly what type of equipment you're going to need. Of course, you need all that. But if somebody can help that journey and that that emotional part of going through that process, that's what makes the difference. Because everyone wants to make the right buying decision. Nobody wants to buy a commercial moving service that isn't going to get it right on the day. Because if you do, your name's going to be hell. And the same for domestic. Same for domestic, yeah. So, you know, we're very lucky that a lot of people come to Pickford's to serve their apprenticeship in the moving world. The bad news is we've lost a lot of those and they've now filtered out into the industry and work for our competition. Yes, and I've mentioned that before in the podcast. Every time I meet people, once you're of a certain age, there's always a background to Pickford's. Yeah. Yeah. They either went there and did a trainee manager course and then they've gone on and now they're running their own business. But there is always something that takes them back to Pickford's. And, and you know, in the last two, three years, we've reintroduced a lot of those basic building blocks. You know, we've Brilliant. Got, you know, Brilliant. got some apprenticeship programs going on. We've got some management training programs going on. So we very much see that the future leaders of Pickford's are going to come probably within the business. Yeah. But at the same time, we recognize the fact that we need to explore other markets. But it's, it's one of those real quirky industries, the moving world. 
that we could just not get out of. Yeah. <laughs> and even when we retire, we're yeah, still in the background. But, but, you know, I mean, as, as a company, other challenges and we're not alone, but we have an aging workforce. Yeah. So again, you know, we're very much trying to invest in getting younger people to join, which is great. But, it, you know, that's a problem that the older generation is, is getting older and it's not being replenished by the young stock that you need in a business. So how is Pickford's doing that then? I mean, we we run quite um, a proactive apprenticeship program. We have a number of apprenticeships join, not just in physical moving, but they join in move management roles, administrative roles. We we try to bring people in within the group to do training management role. So we proactively go out. We're you know investors in people. So again, we see that. Yeah. And we look at that as a model of management, not just to tick the box, but actually as a model of management to base your activities and decisions around. And we're very much proactive in that way. So, you know, we, we want to do more. And I, I don't want to share everything about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it for obvious reasons. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we've taken on quite a few apprenticeships in the last few years and we're taking on employees every single month. So if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Um, change anything from my moving past? I, I don't think I would change anything. I mean, I just feel, and I actually would say this with a real, I feel incredibly lucky to have joined Pickford's Stroke Server in yep. 2003, 4, 5, and 6. I, I left when we sold the business to Crown in 2000. I just felt incredibly honoured at the time to be, I mean, at, in 2003, on the moving side, commercial moving side, which is what we're predominantly focused on, I think we had something like 12 to 14 technical sales managers across the UK. We had a business development team. We had some project management guys. And some of those guys have been in the industry a long time, and they were just absolutely fantastic. And I was just soaking everything up like a sponge. And at the time, I was just in awe of it all. And I, I wouldn't change that because I actually – learned an incredible amount at that time. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change many things, to be fair. To be honest, not many guests do. Yeah, yeah. I think once you're in this industry, it's a great industry, but you're also blessed to be in it because you make so many friends. Yeah. You've got the odd competitor, but you also help your competitors as well. If someone's ever in need of of a helping hand, your competitor generally will always help you out. Yeah, and and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, the the industry is is full of characters. Oh God, isn't it just? I've got to say, you know, there's some stubborn people in this business, and you know, there's you know, it's it's their view or the highway, but <laughs> and it's the same with the consumer or commercial move. There's three or four ways of doing it. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean to say the way you're you're saying doing it is the right way. It's just a way of doing it. Yeah, but it's understanding where the customers at, and thinking, well, how would they like it done, and what's exactly. in their mind? That might not be the right way, yeah. but if if you can align what you're gonna do with what they thought was how it was gonna work, it's the right way for the customer. It's the right way for the customer. Yeah, exactly. And and that's where a lot of our guys, not just Pickford's guys, but a lot of our guys in the industry are just focused purely and simply on. How many cube, how many men, how many vans, that's it. I have to agree. I'm sorry, but I have to agree. 
you know, and they're not interested in talking and explaining what that process looks like and why it looks that way. Or even upselling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, upselling is, yeah, that's alien word. <laughs> yeah, the upselling of it. You should be pricing for a move to literally to load, transport and unload the goods. Yeah. Your upselling is your waiting time waivers and your cancellation waivers and your full packing service and things yeah. like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So I couldn't agree more on that. So what is your high point of being in the industry? Uh, in the industry, I would say I've been really lucky. And there's, there's lots. I would say if I was to say a physical move that was a highlight, moving NATO's headquarters in Brussels wow. is probably the high point. It's, I can't think of probably a more expensive move in the industry over the last few years. We won the contract. Back in 2016-17, we spent two, two and a half years doing the project management piece. Oh, wow. And then we did the, the physical move piece. And then once we've done the physical move from the old headquarters to the new headquarters, and it, it mind-boggling numbers. I mean, there was 4,200 staff, 19 kilometers of like secret, secret archives, 200 safes. We had 27,000 crate movements, all security sealed and tagged. Every single thing had to be tracked to a level that you wouldn't comprehend. How do you even quote for something like that? Again, uh, has everything, every single service then got to be broken down into small services? Um, I mean, I, I was really lucky. Clive Johnson uh, did the predominant quoting on the move. Mark Harrington was, was there. Was part, yeah. He started part of the journey. Back then, he was a, he's a really good guy. But Clive Johnson, he was over in a, a NATO's headquarters doing part of that quoting process for the move for a number of days, walking into these buildings, into these offices. And the quoting and the bid process took a lengthy time. NATO's headquarters in, in Brussels is 254,000 square metres. Wow. New building. It's like a million square feet. So that gives you the scale but when we won the contract to move nato we didn't win the contract initially to move all of the member nations they had the opportunity to buy pickfords or they could have bought the move from somebody else but we we worked with them and then the quoting of each of those individual nations was done at a later date but in all fairness it's just a, a small part so when we moved the you know the uk entity that was about 140, 180 staff. Yeah. So you break it down for that. You go in and you quote to do that. And then you go to the German entity. Then you go to the Finnish embassy. So the security, the everything else. So moving NATO's headquarters was a huge, huge high. Once we completed the move, they then retendered for the clearance of all the unwanted furniture and all the unwanted assets at the old headquarters. We had to bid for that along with everybody else, and we was lucky enough to secure that. And that clearance took about 16 weeks. <laughs> so, and this was a big crew over there. It, I mean, it took nearly eight to 10 minutes to walk from one side of the building to the other. There's a great video of it on YouTube. It's had more than 11,000 views. Pickford's Moves NATO, and it just showcases the, the building, and it's just absolutely incredible so as a high uh, yeah am i going to say 
that as a project was was just yeah awesome but i think the the actual opportunity to go there to meet with the teams there to build relationships with the people there i still get calls from people who i worked with at nato today telling me about oh this is an opportunity you come up martin are you interested would you like to look at this you know i can talk about jobs royal papworth moving royal papworth was an incredible thing for us <laughs> it's not the biggest hospital in the world it's not it's about 350 beds it's not big by any stretch of the imagination but the complexity of moving royal papworth was was enormous wow cop 26 we did that we was having guys based in cop 26 i was up there for a few days which was great pickford's gets those kinds of opportunities because partly because of its heritage yep. partly because of its evidential weight on other works that it's done but also i think you know and, and, and not being funny but i think taking people through a journey where it's not just about arms and legs and vehicles it's understanding really what the move is about and and nato is a good example there's a caption at the end from the transition uh, director bogdan lazaro who says that part of the reason he chose us was our understanding of his particular needs nato's needs because they could not afford they were only moving across the road literally really across the road yeah but they could not afford to have any lapse of service. And the reason they, they say that was that he said to me, he said, look, if we can't move across the road, what chance have we got of protecting a nation? Very true. That's how he viewed it. That's yeah. how the, you know, the Director General, Jens, and, and that's, that's how they saw it. They had to provide perfection. So I think the high is all of that. But I think the last part, and I, and I mean this really sincerely, actually, to be fair, the best high is actually convincing them and them allowing me to make a film of that move because very rarely do you get a customer of that magnitude, yeah. that secrecy, that complexity allow you to make a film of that particular piece of work. Wow. The filming was done by their guys, not by us. They provided us the film guys. We had to edit it in NATO's environment. We had to go to into the NATO offices and do it. We couldn't do it off-site. They then took our edited version. They helped us with music and bits and pieces. And once they did that, they then spent six weeks scrutinising the film <laughs> before they would release it because they didn't want any single piece that was shown in that film to show anything that could compromise that building or the people within it. Unbelievable. And I, and I think probably, yeah, if I think about it further, I would say that's the high. Winning the job's great. Yeah, doing the job was fabulous. Getting trusted to do that job, getting the money for doing that job was fabulous. But getting them to allow us to make a film of it, yeah, I'd say that's probably one of my highs within the career and industry on that. Superb. I will put a link in the show notes to the YouTube yeah. video. It is. It's, it's five minutes long, but it's honestly, have a look at it afterwards, Colin, because, you know, we did a lot of the equipping. So a lot of the new stuff that went in, the main security council's forum and room, the new one is just blows your mind because it's just absolutely so intense. And the old one, the historic knack room was just incredible. And they have walls with all the interpreters 
in it. So you have the big round tables. Yeah. They have all the guys talking. They have the guys sitting behind them, giving them notes. And it was just, it was just fabulous to have access. Yeah. How cool is that? Very, very cool. Very yeah. cool. So what one thing would you change in the moving industry? The simple thing of absolutely hate with a passion, although I always like to go, I hate with a passion the fact that the customers try to commoditize our industry and say, we're going to do a group walk around. So not only do you walk around with everybody else to assess what's going to be moving, yeah. you know, that, that reduces your ability to a certain extent to build that direct relationship because the buyers and the users are somewhat guarded and thinking they need to share their time with everybody that's there. You're asking questions because the questions you're, you're wanting to ask are the ones that hit right here in the heart going, right, what's, you know, what's, what's your big concern over this? You know, how do you see this journey? If you had a fear, what would it be? Those kind of questions that you really want to get into which you can't really ask when your competitors are there at the same time. Exactly, and you don't want to, and you don't want to ask or or summarize and commit on a particular point because your your competition are going to pick up on it. Because we're all trying to be consultative salespeople. Gone are the days to a certain extent are features and benefits, but they still have a place to play in the sale process. But yeah, walking around with three, four, five of my competition. Do I want to do that? No, I think I think that's bad, actually. Not many other industries do it. It loses the personal touch. Absolutely. And it gives, it gives you very limited chance to gain differentiation. Yeah. And, and if the customer's choosing to buy that way, you sometimes think, has the decision already been made on who they're going to buy? And they're just going through a process. And if you have to walk around with the incumbent provider who's I don't know, the moves and changes provider in an office and you have to walk around with them at the same time and they're sort of going, oh, hello, how are you? And they know everybody and they even have keys to various parts. You know that you're really up against it. Yeah. So I I just, yeah, I don't like the fact of um, that part of the industry being commoditized down to a, a rate per hour. I just don't see that. It's about the value. It's about what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, why you're going to do it that way. Value is being the key word there. Value being the key word, yeah. So what advice would you give yourself just starting out in the industry again? Um, oh, that's a good one. I think that yeah, starting in the industry, I mean, I would say soak it up, but I do, I, I love everything that about, you know, you know, I was at um, the Warburg Institute and, I, and we was doing a big project there. And you think, how cool is, I don't know, I like every part of what I do. So it's just really, really cool. So, yeah, I wouldn't change it. So where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? Boringly, I'm going to say working at Pickford's doing exactly what I'm doing now because I love it. And the industry? Yeah, I do. I mean, in the industry, how is it going to evolve? I think the way the, the there's lots of talk about the industry changing in the sense of the way in which people work within an office. I don't know if you're in an office or at home today. I'm actually work from home. Work from home. So I think more and more people during COVID were, were pushed into that. I think there's a bit of a, a piece of work that we're doing as the part of the commercial moving group and part of Pickford's to examine whether that's going to stay that way because 
the, the you know the collaborative environment is is somewhat lost yeah if people are working from home the the situation around the you know the coffee machine moment or the yeah or photocopier the photocopier it's those kind of things so i think there's there was a swing a few years ago where people was thinking oh right well that's it we're all going to work at home and you know yeah. that's it i think there's a balance now i think people are starting to say well actually there's a value of coming back into the office there is a value of a office environment but i do think that the office environment is going to change those spaces that we will support on a portrait and churn and moving element will change i think customers will they still buy the service the way they do is that going to change i think that the younger market is very lastminute.com years ago when people were moving offices they used to give you plenty of notice i get calls now on a tuesday saying they're moving on a friday and I love I love it when I say, did you not know this was going to happen? Have you thought about your telephone lines and your new offices? That's going to take you a few months to get us. No, they, they don't think about it in the same way. So I think the way in which people buy the service will change, I think, subtly. I think the environment that we will service as an industry will change. Still people going to be moving stuff. Still going to be IT. Oh, absolutely. Recon, still going to be desks and homes. The man and van part scares me a little bit. You have these companies like Any Van and, and stuff like that, where the dependence upon expertise, because if you've got a small apartment and they don't see the value and the expertise of getting a proper mover and packer in to carefully pack your items, that's all right. We just get a man and van and because it's low cost and because they're probably moving more frequently, they don't want to pay for a premium moving company. There's some fabulous moving companies in the UK, brands that have been around for 50, 60, 70, 90, 100 years. Yeah. And, and these companies are, are fabulous. They are really, really good, caring moving companies. Do you think that people are going to any van services because items today are more disposable? I mean, let's face it, if your fridge freezer breaks down, do you call out somebody to fix it or do you just go on to Curry's and say, I'll order that one, it'll be here by the end of the week? I think you're absolutely right. I agree with you. I think people are less concerned about perhaps some of the value of their items, but the people that are concerned about the value of their items, who are concerned about somebody that's not going to trash their door frames and doors and stairwells and bits and pieces, people who have concerns about that, and understand that, you know, okay, they might be moving their apartment, but if the moving company are going to wreck the municipal areas, there's going to be a yeah. cost to pay. So it's those groups of people, but people are moving more frequently and they're more transient around the flats and the apartments. So they don't have much stuff to move. But anyone that's moving probably a three-bedroom house plus still has a desire to want to get a Pickfords or a, a long-established caring moving company but anyone below that is is probably thinking i can get like a man and van i can get a, a smaller company in to do it but there's a market for that there is and the any van is all it's all auction prices at the end of the day and it's, it is literally who's going to bid the lowest yeah it's crazy and i looked at it a little while ago thinking you know is that something perhaps we should do or you know, you're always looking to try and develop revenue streams because people go on there and they can choose to buy like, a, you know, like a Britannia or a whatever, because they may well, I don't know if they're on there, but 
these companies that go on there. And companies could go, oh, right, well, pictures are on there. Oh, yeah, they're a little bit more expensive than those other two, but it's only going to be £100 more or £80 more. I'll pay the difference and have them. So choosing the brand awareness. Choosing the brand. But I would probably only want to look at doing that during quiet periods. Yeah. So you'd want to switch it on and switch it off, but it's a bit of work to do that. So, yeah, you know, the industry, people are still going to be moving. It's just how they buy the service, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off then, Martin? I think probably those of you who have known me, probably I love great food and great drink. I love to live life. I really do. I enjoy everything about life, meeting people. I have a really good set of friends, social network, very, very wide, travel quite a lot. I mean, I think this is the thing with, from the very early days in the moving world and lots of people have traveled in the moving industry. I think that's what it does give you. It gives you a outlook and a scope and an access. I mean, I've, I've traveled to something like about 24, 25 different countries working in the moving industry, traveled to multiple cities within those countries. I love traveling. I love meeting people. I love just looking at the world. So it's interesting you mentioned that it's allowed you to travel. Isn't that what we need to get through to the youth, to bring them into the industry, in that they're not just going to load and unload trucks? I've said over and over before in the podcast, yeah. But we need to make them aware that they can travel all over the world. You may only be a porter for a few years and all of a sudden somebody will pick up on the fact that, do you know what, he's really good at customer relations. Before you know it, he's doing surveys. Then he's yeah. office manager. Then, yeah. then he's literally you know, running the company. Then his area manager. He, there's yeah. so many opportunities. I don't think the youth are aware of them. I think you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that Mark Taylor, who's the MD for Pickfords, yeah. he started as a as a porter, you know, he started in the very early, he's now the managing director of Pickford's and he's worked his way through the business. So he's a great advocate for us. I think that whether traveling looks like going from Barnsley to Doncaster, from like Edinburgh to London, from Penzance to Bristol, or wherever that looks like, or whether it's going from London to Paris, London to New York, Miami, Hong Kong, whatever, travels travel. And you can do whatever you want to do, but you've got to want to do it yeah. and, and take that chance. But the moving industry, and Pickford's is part of a global association, a global alliance called the Office Moving Alliance. And I go to events with these guys in, in the US on a regular basis. I go to events with them in Europe. But I've traveled into Europe and the US for work. So I truly think that exploring the wider market, how they do it in their country, how they do it in their particular market. I've pinched ideas. They've pinched ideas. We've shared best practice. But you meet great people and you have great friends. I have, like I say, I'm I'm very, very lucky. I really do think I'm lucky to have the job that I have. And Pickford's give me the opportunities that we have. I mean, I meet people that I would never, ever meet. I was in in an MOD project meeting a few weeks ago, and there was like, I mean, it makes you smile, but there was like two, three-star generals there. And, wow. And, and, and for me, who just comes from a normal council house background, for me, it was like, really, am I sitting here having conversations yeah. with these guys? Because they're just regular people, but it's great to have yeah. access to those kind of individuals. 
brilliant. And finally, I like to end my podcasts with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? When I first joined Pickford's server back in 2003, there was, um, again, an, an iconic individual, Alan Gordon, big guy up in Scotland. He was brilliant. And Clive Johnson, and they always used to sort of take me under their wing to teach me about the industry. And um, they said, look, you know, one of the things you need to be doing a bit is just go out and see jobs. As jobs come up, just pop out and have a look. And I went out to this one particular job, and there was a crew there that was working. And um, they, they, they was calling out to this guy, and they called him Clear. And I, I said, Clear? I said, what? I said, I thought his name was Jeff. They said, no, 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 we call him Clear. And I said, well, why do you call him Clear? They said, oh, it goes back a couple of years. We was doing a hospital move and uh, we was um, just moving the bits and pieces out of near one of the operating areas. And he picked up and he was playing with the the fibrillators, <laughs> the paddles, and he was playing around with it going, oh, yeah, and he was joking. And one of the guys by the, by the socket switched it on. <laughs> As he switched it on the wall and he put the paddles on his chest, he literally took off and went about 15 feet. <laughs> so ever since then, luckily he survived and he was fine. But ever since then, they called him clear. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So that's, that is, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny and I, I have told oh. that story several times since. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you meet lots of people that make <laughs> and, and things, don't you? So, yeah. Uh, dear. Martin, thank you very much for giving up your time this morning to record an episode of Moving Matters with me. I truly appreciate it. Enjoyed every minute. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 67 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Martin Budd of Pickfords for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Martin. If you would like to know more about Pickfords and the services they provide, then you will find links in the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And do check out the Pickfords video, NATO Moves Home with Pickfords. The link is in the show notes and on the episode webpage. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.